This episode of the Comets Podcast is being brought to you by Combat Ops Arena. Mission-based laser tag, mini bowling, an arcade with great prizes, a laser maze, a Nerf arena, a cafe, and now their latest attraction, axe throwing. Yes, axe throwing. You can throw axes indoors, not at each other. But you get the point. Axe throwing at Combat Ops Arena. It is a great place for family fun. It's over on Lay Road or go to CombatOpsArena.com to go ahead and schedule up one of those uh, great family outings to Combat Ops Arena. Again, on Lay Road, CombatOpsArena.com. Okay, here's episode number one of the Comet Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first edition of the Comets Podcast. I am your host, Shane Alberani. You know me from doing the play-by-play on WoWo throughout the season, but now I'm adding podcast host to the old resume, as this is something I've been wanting to do for quite some time, and management finally said, go ahead and do it, but of course, keep it clean which is kind of hard to do when you have the head coach of the Fort Wayne Comets as your very first guest on your first episode, as uh, Gary Graham told some great stories, but did a good job of keeping it uh, PG. So uh, it's fun for the whole family, as this podcast is going to be like that. It's going to be very conversational. It is just going to be one-on-one with uh, players, coaches, and other Comet dignitaries, maybe some legends thrown in there as well. And it's not necessarily going to be about hockey. It is just going to be fun and entertaining as uh, you will hear here in a, in a moment, uh, Gary and I had some great stories and had some great laughs, including the wonderful story of how he indirectly set my wife on fire. Yes, indirectly, but it's all good. We're good. Uh, we'll explain that here coming up uh, in the in the first episode. Gary also talks about what it's like recruiting players. He talks about some of his favorite coaches, and also uh, he talks about his political aspirations. Yes. Coach Gary Graham would like to be Mayor Gary Graham someday. We also talk about why spelling matters and why he loves fireworks so much. But Gary and I, we go back quite a ways. We go back uh, 20 plus years. When I first started broadcasting, I was doing the High School Hockey Game of the Week on Channel 10 Public Access, and uh, Gary played for the Northside Redskins for four years, so I said his name an awful lot. And if anybody, anybody out there still has any of those grainy VHS tapes of the High School Hockey Game of the Week, if you would, please send them to me so I can dispose of them properly. But before we get to the interview with Coach Gary Graham, I'd like to thank our sponsor one more time, Combat Ops Arena over on Lay Road. They're just down the street from the Coliseum. They are a great place for family fun. Uh, The players go there all the time. Laser tag. They've got mini bowling. They have got an arcade and now axe throwing. And it is a pretty good time. So please check out our sponsor, Combat Ops Arena down on Lay Road. All right, let's get this first episode underway. Here is my conversation with Coach Gary Graham. All right. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's start with, uh, I'm still waiting for my box of sparklers I didn't get. 
uh, for retribution for you indirectly setting my wife on fire. Ah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. She was the lone casualty of yes, my wedding yes. in December. Yes, yeah, so yes. we'll set the story up that uh, Gary had his nuptials in December. And, of course, being a fireworks guy, there had to be fireworks involved in this. So everyone had giant sparklers for the bride and groom to walk under. Well, one spark got my wife's Kathy's uh, uh, sweater, and it just went up. And it was, I don't, I, she may have dipped it in kerosene. That could have been something, but it went up. Uh, it was actually quite a very funny moment. But I was asking, uh, you know, because it was unsafe uh, nuptial environment that Gary would uh, eventually pay me back. But yeah, yes, I'm still waiting. You know what? You should have expected something like that to happen at one of my weddings, you know. And, and, and how bad is that? It's not one of my weddings. One of... <laughs> Let's hope this is the last one. Let's hope yeah, that we don't have yeah. to do that again, but uh, yes. one of your weddings, yes. So why fireworks? You know, it was uh, just something that my uncle and I were in charge of in our neighborhood. I grew up down by PB. You know, I went to Precious yeah. Blood. So um, one of the first freebie stores owned by Tom Trace right next to uh, the Green Frog Bar, which, can you believe, just closed down this yeah. past week? That was a disappointment. But anyways, um, it was right in my backyard. I grew up on 4th Street right there. So literally in the alley behind my garage it was just a walking, you know, distance was the fireworks store. So I was just, I mean, growing up having a fireworks store, literally almost in your backyard, you just walk over there and walk in the store. You just become fascinated by it. And then, uh, you know, you're begging your mom and to, to let you have money so to take your uncle down there and get you stuff. But uh, it, it ended up becoming a tradition that we did a display down in the church parking lot for the neighborhood. And we just kind of got anointed uh, to, to do that in a neighborhood. So my uncle and I were in charge of it. And just doing that year after year after year and of course the fireworks have just gotten better every year you know ever since i was a kid so um, it became a lot of fun but really again just it goes back to a comet story of course former comet doug johnson that coached snyder high school hockey um, his boys um, uh, dj and patrick were buddies of mine um, he works still works at pepsi um, owns the low bob tobaccos in town and, and they sold fireworks and uh, when I got back from playing my second year in junior hockey, I was looking for work, and they gave me a job at Low Bob's. But he said, you know anything about fireworks? And I said, of course I do. I said, I've been playing around with this stuff since I was a kid. Um, and he goes, well, can you help run a store? And I said, oh, this is the perfect thing for me. So uh, Patrick, his, his two boys had a, had a store, and uh, I think I was 19 or 20. Uh, at the time and so I, my first summer I helped run the stores and of course I he's like how much you want to get paid I said just pay me in fireworks <laughs> so <laughs> we had the biggest display down at the church parking lot that that year and that's really uh, when I got hooked because then I had the ability you know to take like two thousand dollars of fireworks and put on a sp display because I worked for them and that was like four times the amount that we ever had before and so then as people that shoot fireworks shows they want more every year they expect more so then you got to keep going bigger every year uh, but the next year um, I actually ran a store for them and then after two years of doing it I pretty much just said if I had somebody that could lend me some money I could easily do this on my own and, and do a lot better for myself and I had a, a friend a family friend lent me some money and you know i think i've been in business now 18 years and uh i've heard a lot of one-sided conversations you get on the phone you talk about fireworks and the scene from joe dirt always comes up in my head you know when he's going over the list of fireworks uh so i think it's it's fascinating and it's really it's really interesting because you don't hear very many coaches 
having a business. I mean, it's a whole different thing after hockey ends. You go to business. The weird thing is uh, when I talk to coaches, I talk to agents, I love being different because, you know, you got to be who you are. You know yeah. what I mean? There's no get away from who I am, and I'm never going to change. So, um, you know, I just I, – I love, you know, when I'm trying to trade, maybe make a trade during the summer, you know. Uh, when it comes time to make the trade, I'll I'll I'll, I'll put on there, uh, you know, some free fireworks too type of <laughs> Shut stuff. Up. Oh, I always I always mess around with people, and they just think it's so funny. But uh, I've talked to agents before. I'm like, listen, you help you help get this kid there. I'm gonna send you a care package. I'm gonna get you some fireworks. Of course, it's all a joke, you know. But they just always think it's funny. But every coach, you know, has something that they do. Obviously, our assistant coach Betty. Boudreaux makes extra money for his family doing his golden horseshoe thing that his dad started years ago, and he's growing that business. You know, of course, we know Chalker, how adamant he is on his summer hockey camps are, are just some guys. And, you know, there's a lot of guys. You know, my buddy Brian Gratz did, did summer hockey camps at Penn State where he went to college and some goalie camps and stuff. So usually coaches and players, they all have something they do during the summer to keep them busy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just happens to be, you know, minus fireworks and not hockey. Most coaches. Right. stay involved in hockey right. but for me it's like you know I think I would get a little bit a little bit burned out frankly um, and that's where you know I, I just I'm so looking forward to training camp every year getting on the ice because I don't put my skates on all summer and I just get away from it and I feel like if I was on the ice and working with kids and teaching you know every day and I know I could open up a, my own hockey camp business and do well with it. Sure. I have no doubt in my sure. mind with the people I know I could do that um, it, but it has I, I just I would be worried about how much I would be giving, you know, to myself and, and, and to my team come come the fall. And that's why I don't do it. And it's neat that it's fireworks and it's, so it is off season. It's all summer long, you know, so uh, it's not really a, a conflicting with anything that it's a summertime business. So uh, always been fascinated by that, that you're able to juggle both. And they're both, you know, you're doing very well coaching. You do very well in the fireworks business. Yeah, it works out. You know, I, I'm blessed. I don't feel like really I'm, I'm working at all, even though during the fireworks season, I'm working 14 hour days for like three weeks. But my, my, my awesome wife, she loves working out there and I'm surrounded by friends that help me out. So even though it's a, it's a lot of work, um, you know, and, and a lot of time and effort it goes into it. We have fun with it, too, and I think that's that's important. So um, that's what keeps me young at heart, even though I'm getting, you know, a little bit fatter and balder every year. <laughs> well, aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> but, but get, you know, let's get a little back to hockey. Uh, you know, this is, this is going to air uh, during training camp, you know. So I've always – Wondered, you know, when you're during the course of the season. Now, I know coaching is kind of a year to year thing, just like everybody. We're all on one year contracts. But, you know, if you're playing a team, do you take a mental note? Hey, I'd love to have that guy. Oh, yeah. You're always doing that. I'll always do it. You know what? I'll be. There was in all the playoff series this past year Cincinnati and then Toledo and then Colorado. And every one of those handshakes, obviously, two of them were good handshakes, one on the lose yeah. again. There was at least one player in each of those lines. I shook their hands and said, "Hey, I want you in a comet sweater one day." See, that's see that that's so I'm always yeah, that's really interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm always recruiting. But even in that moment, you're even still in that thinking. even in that moment, you know, you're respectful. You shake their hand and tell them how you know what you think of them, and you know, c c congrats on a great year. And uh, you know, there was Brandon Brandon 
Brandon McNally um, that I really like in Cincinnati. He signed over in over in Europe, but I just I love the way I love the way he plays the game. He's gritty. He's big. He can score goals. Uh, I think his style of game the Comet fans would really like. Um, you know, I'm trying in in Toledo. You know, it was defenseman Bo Schmitz who, believe it or not, Bo Schmitz who we've seen. He was ready to sign on the dotted line with me uh, three years ago, and he would have been here. But I had a choice to make. It was either him or Jordan Southworth, and I couldn't have both of them. So, you know, we had Southie. And, of yeah. course, then he went overseas. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if I would have had Bo Schmitz, I would have probably had him for, you know, three years instead of just having Southie for the one year. So the, the recruiting thing and how you sign guys and where they go, um, you know, obviously you see guys like this year, you know, you see Artie just signing in Brampton. People are like, well, why wouldn't Artie come? There's a million reasons why things sure. don't work out. It has nothing to do with – one side or the other not wanting to do something but you know it's there's a lot of business things that go into things behind the scenes and you know if you watch the movie Moneyball there's a lot of what we're doing this summer especially we have to replace the most offense that has been created in ECHL in a long time you're looking at eight of our nine top players went bye-bye or retired last year over 169 goals went away so that's a lot, okay? Uh, we weren't only the top-scoring team last year, Shane. The second-leading team for goals for was 50 behind us. Yeah. So it wasn't even close. So, you know, we had a heck of a year last year offensively with goal scores. But So everything we did this summer, you were really targeting guys to kind of fill somebody's shoes in terms of what they can do production-wise. Now, the exciting and the nervous thing about that is we really don't know what we have. Right, and I was just going to ask we that. We really it, have no clue, yeah. and there's a lot of teams that are feeling the same way because there are going to be a lot of new faces this year in the ECHL because so many guys went to Europe and so many guys retired, and all of us coaches and GMs are seeing that there was really a, a kind of a, a landscape change in our league this year but you know what it's probably what the league needs because unless they're going to change that vet rule anytime soon you got to get this new crop of guys into the league and and it's going to be interesting and that's another hard thing you've got four veteran spots and then guys come back from europe february march your phone is blowing up and you can't bring them in and it's kind of painful it was like mbach last year you know you just don't you know you didn't have it you know you're going to have other guys that might you know if they're not if they're not vets and they want to come back to you, you know, maybe it's a Baptiste or a DeJarnan or, or, or a Leonard or something like that. Um, but then, you know, you're going to have to pay them top money. And do you have that money at the time? And uh, so, yeah, there's, it's just there's so many things that, that go into it. And this year with the affiliation, too, I mean, we still really don't know what we're going to get. You know, um, unfortunately, with Vegas, you know, they – they still haven't signed Theodore on a blue line. And then Nate Schmitz, one of their best defensemen, has got a 20-game suspension for PEDs. So in terms of depth in their pipeline, you know, we don't know really what's going to happen. You know, that's probably probably not going to see anything there, at least immediate. Uh, we expect expect the goalie and, and probably a four, but there's just not – we don't expect a lot at all. Whereas some of these teams like Cincinnati are going to get probably – eight to ten players uh, same thing with Indy Kalamazoo is going to get a lot from Utica uh, we know Toledo will probably get five six so in our division this year look out our division is going to be loaded up this year and the way that you can tell that for the fans listening is just go to elite prospects and look at the team's AHL affiliates Rochester has 25 forward signs and Chicago has 14 
our affiliate. You know, that's the same thing with Utica, yeah. you know. So there's a lot of players that are investing in the pipeline, and that's kind of the trend that we're starting to see uh, with what Toronto's doing with the Marlies last year, with them winning, and kind of the way Wilkes-Barre's done it uh, with, with, uh, with Wheeling last year is they're signing more guys, and there's going to be more contract guys probably in our division than any other division. But is it easier for you, or I shouldn't say easier, but what do you look forward more? You know, having that veteran come in who already knows the system, like a Sean Sidlowski, been there five years, but bringing in someone new is also probably very exciting because you know this guy's going to listen to you. Yeah, well, I, I tell people, I was just talking to somebody this morning, it's, it's coaching, it doesn't matter what level it is, everybody knows it, is that it's it's a lot like uh, having a son, you know, they the longer the the longer you grow older with somebody the the more resistant sometimes to things they they become and and I think that's just normal um but this generation also is is fun to work with because they naturally they they question everything that's this generation um and as coaches we've we've been dealing with that and, and learning from that and how to communicate with them better and and how to motivate them the right way and stuff like that so every year i'm always studying that that's probably the biggest thing i study during the summer honestly is it's not the x's and o's it's the psychology, psychology of it right it, it is and and that's the that's the biggest thing and you know how to how to get to these guys and you know i'm very proud over the last you know five years i've been here shane we've had so many guys come in here and just have had career years and breakout years where the previous organizations they were with they weren't doing anything and uh we take a lot of pride in how we develop players here and uh, it's really neat to see see these guys have those type of years and get rewarded over in europe it's disappointing for the fans to lose players like that but listen that's what that's what my job is it's to win as many games as possible try to win a kelly cup which it seems like you know we're getting closer to every year um, but it's to do what's best for the players and if you have that player first mentality you can then recruit during the summer top end guys you know and I think that's where recruiting has become a little bit more perpetual for us uh, than my first summer when I took the job when I took over the last place team in the ECHL um, it's a lot different now than my first summer recruiting than this past summer and what do you think you've learned from that first year? Now, you had coaching experience. You obviously were here in Fort Wayne. You were under Al Sims. You went, won a championship in the SPHL, and you come back. Was it a, a totally different ball game when you came from the SPHL back to Fort Wayne, or were you still comfortable still knowing the town and the team? You know, it, it, honestly, that, that year, you, you learn so much in the first year. But, you know, we, again, the challenge for me was, was that – there was no affiliation, uh, so there's nobody helping us. They had the Anaheim deal the last year that Simmer was here. And, you know, none of those guys from Anaheim that were free agents, uh, the Britons and all those different – nobody wanted to come back to Fort Wayne. They didn't have a good experience that year. And so I couldn't tap into any of those guys. Um, and then there was a lot of guys that, uh, that, that didn't want to come back. And then the problem was is you're trying to sell agents, okay, that Fort Wayne's a great place to put your kid – after we finished, didn't make the playoffs, and after we finished last place, and we and we have no affiliation, that is a very very difficult recruiting grounds to start, and that's what it was. So we, what we did was we were one of the lowest scoring teams in the league that year. So my job was to find offense. So we we signed. What I did is I almost signed too many of the same type of players. Was my biggest mistake. You know, you, you had too many of the Langs, the Vascavuos, the the Marinos, and they're all great players, but you can't have too many of them because they're they're too much. There are too many alphas in a room. And I think that's what ended up happening is we had just too many of the same. We had too many guys in their minds were first-line power play, first-line PK, first-line period. 
they didn't really care about the front of the jersey as much as what was on the back of the jersey, and you just can't win as a when your team's built like that. You know, I don't care how talented you are. You know, you, the, the teams that play for one another are the teams that are always going to go deep in the playoffs and make the playoffs. So until we made those changes, if you remember, yeah. you know, the, the, the Lang Vascavulo thing when they didn't want to play here anymore was the best thing that could have happened to me. It, it was the best thing because it forced management's hand between me and you to do something, yeah. you know, because otherwise it wouldn't have ever been done. So, you know, it, thank you, Mickey Lang, and thank you, Mike Vascavulo, because <laughs> – Getting team guys in, you know what I mean? You know, like the M-Box and the yeah. guys that we got in at that time, South Horns, that wanted to be here and play for one another. We were the almost – I think we were the third winningest team the second half of the season. And then we did something that never been done in 27 years in ECHL. It was an eight seed knock off a one seed in a, in a, in a champion in Reading. So yeah. that was one of the biggest, you know, things that I will always go back on probably when I'm, you know, 80 is – getting a chance to knock off a defending champ my first playoff series. Those guys were unbelievable. I mean, that was when Zedlowski, if you remember, really broke out. And Aaron Clark, you know, that we got, which was part of that Mickey Lang trade. Remember, we got him yeah. late. It was supposed to be David Rutherford, but he went to the Central League and bolted for more money and went to the Arizona Sun Dogs in the Central League. Um, you know, getting Clarkie in there as another center. I mean, so many little things had to add up for that to happen. And, you know, give credit to Ben Meisner. Our goaltending was the biggest problem. We lost more one-goal games than any other team in the league that year. That's why we struggled and to make the playoffs of the last home game we made the playoffs. If you remember, we punched yeah. our ticket the last game. And, uh, you know, the trade for Ben Meisner really, really, you know, kind of helped us out because we we were losing a lot of shootouts that year. We were losing a lot of one-goal games because our number one goalie was called up after the first game of the year and never came back. <laughs> John Muse, yeah, yes, yes. Now, is that is that still kind of your favorite moment? I mean, you've got to the conference championship twice. You've had a lot of success, but I know you've talked about that first year a lot, especially knocking off Reading in that first round. Well, for me being a young coach, you know, you obviously have all your doubters right away. And, you know, I'm always going to have that, you know, because, again, everybody, it's the playing resume thing. You know what I mean? And so that's something that I will always have to deal with. It doesn't matter if I've been – coaching 18 years or not so what what I look at that is I thought that was what really um, propelled us into that nice recruiting summer where we got the Matt Pastilles and the Eric Fies and we started getting some top players the James Martins in and stuff like that the following summer and if you remember that that next year we had over 100 points that year you know it was us in Toledo I believe with the top teams in the league the whole year so it, it you just in recruiting and just like in college football when you see the programs start getting momentum you know watch what Texas A&M does after this year you know if Jimbo Fisher continues to build that program you see Florida State is just a gong show right now after Jimbo Fisher left and now you're going to see Texas A&M in my mind Texas A&M probably in three years will have a juggernaut of a program once he starts getting his recruiting foot into the door so you know you got to get momentum and you got to be winning you know people want to go to winning teams and my first summer we didn't have that when we recruited but after the first year being able to say, hey, listen, this is what we did. You know, and even Cincinnati that went to the finals that year, they had the most contracts on any team. They had 13 contracts. That team was loaded. 
and really we lost in six games. But if you remember, I mean, that was a tight that series. Was a tight series. Yes, that, was. that was could've a very – that could have went either way. And I think if we would have got to game seven, we could have really, really did something there. So, you know, the, that group was a special group. I'll never forget those guys, uh, uh, you know, the Peppins and all those guys, the Christian Olets, the Will Lacasses, Joe Hartmans and all those guys. Yeah. You know, because honestly on paper, nobody took us serious. Like, when you would look at the lineups before the yeah. game, you'd see our lineup and see other teams' lineup. Be NHL guys after NHL guys on these other teams. And, you know, you're looking at all these first-year guys. You know, Will Acosta played in the Southern Pro last year. And, you know, all these different guys that I have. And, you know, it's like, guys, you know, we – we can we can outsmart these guys. We can beat these guys by playing a team game, and uh, and that's what we did. So um, that that was a lot of fun. And you mentioned Jimbo Fisher. Is there? That's a football coach. Obviously, it's it's two. It's a different ball game. So, are there other coaches you look to outside of hockey? You look at what they're doing, just how they approach things. Really? Oh, all the time. That's all I do is study coaches. You know, I look at. <laughs> all I do is literally sit on YouTube and just watch. Uh, coaches, body language, demeanor, um, how they handle themselves in press conferences, um, anything I can get inside the locker room footage of basketball coaches, high school coaches in Texas, you know, those guys are awesome watching those high school football coaches in Texas. You can find anything on them. It's awesome watching how they motivate these young kids and, and get the most out of them. But, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a student of the game, and I, I think, you know, you have to constantly be trying to get better. You're going to get past, and, and that's the way I've always been with uh, with my off seasons. Even during the year, you know, we're trying to pick up things here and there. And, um so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, for me personally, you know, I'm a big Belichick fan. Obviously, you know that. Uh, but bas- in terms of basketball, I mean, I love John Calipari in Kentucky, how he does it. Huge Mike Krzyzewski fan uh, with the fact he went to West Point and came from the whole Bobby Knight, you know, coaching pedigree. and But yet he's evolved himself away from Bobby Knight. So here's a guy that – learned all the good traits from Bobby Knight, but then realized some of the things he didn't want to take, you know, uh, so much. So there's a, there's a lot of things that, uh, over the years I've liked studying. That's, I'm not a Packers fan, but I root for the Packers sometimes because of the history. I'm a big Lombardi sure. fan, you sure. know, um, in terms of historical context, I like rooting for the older franchises as long as it's not the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> but uh, that's interesting. When you, the coaches you met uh, mentioned because, you know, Bill Belichick, that's a guy who's X's and O's. He's not a rah-rah kind of a guy. And with you working with younger players, you have to have that enthusiasm to get them motivated, but you also have to be preparedness. has got to be, you know, because, like, you, you take someone like a Chuck Knoll, you know, back in the day. You know, he didn't like guys who were rah, rah, rah. It's like, no, you know your job. You know exactly what you need to do. That rah, rah, rah stuff lasts about four seconds. But if you got a younger group of guys, you have to balance that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we're all, you know, Belichick is able to be Belichick because he's he's won, you know. Yeah. Um, they're talking right now, you've probably been watching the, the Lions with Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator that yes. had all this success. He's struggled right now. All the rumors, you know, in there is that he's come in there and tried to be both Belichick. But yet he was looked at as like a, like a nice cop kind of guy, you know. It's players see through that, you know what I mean? If I try to be something that I'm not, the guys will will not respond to that. You know, I, I know what I am and I know what I'm not. And once you start trying to be something different, the players will read through you really quick and then you, you start losing their room and stuff right away. And You know, I, I like to have fun, but I'll be honest, you know, it's not about me making – 
best friends. And that's the one thing I can say is that, you know, you, you hope during the time the guys are here that they understand that, you know, it's not a popularity contest for me. You know, I have to hear the rumors that people say, you know, how this town is, you know, oh, well, you know, this guy's, you know, doesn't like Gary. Well, you know what, if, if he's not playing well, he's not going to like me because he's not going to like the way I'm handling him and the way I'm challenging him. And, but that's normal. And I think that you have to be able to have a good, healthy, pushback with your players because you know me and Zidlowski were like that you know I'll be honest with you Zid me and him got into it a lot but there was a mutual respect there and right. um and and I think that you know the way I challenged him to to be better I think motivated him to be a better player and you see obviously his production has been very consistent under his time here after he got a you know got familiar with the system the first year so you know i i, I looked at a guy this year like jamie shasman cody sold and just be huge because she this team has turned over about 70 percent of the roster and those two captains i i, I wouldn't want to have any other players than those two guys taking this new wave of comet players and shaping them and molding them and telling them this is the expectation this is how we do things in fort wayne is there anything you dread about coaching? Is there something you come into the season? Uh, it's like, oh, I, I, you know, is it cutting a guy? Is it anything? Is it, is it motivation? You know, is there anything that you just kind of, oh, I don't want to do that? No, no, I just love it so much. I mean, I just, uh, I love my job. Uh, I love this organization. You know, the, the chance to, to, to make the playoffs and a chance to, to win a Kelly Cup every year is what is what drives me. Um, I want to get to the next level, but being an assistant coach at the American League does not interest me one bit. This is too great of a job. Um, you know, if something came calling, you know, at that level as a head coach, of course, I would look at it. But my my goal is, is to win a Kelly Cup here. That's never, never going to change. And, um, you know, with Benny and Legs on board and watch them develop as young coaches, I mean, I couldn't think of two better guys to surround myself with either. Um, and the guys love those guys to death. So, you know, we have all the pieces here to, to win a Kelly Cup with, with management and and uh, with Joe and Aaron and, and Maddie. I mean, it's just a great time. But this is going to be a unique year. You know, this is a lot of turnover. And it's, there's going to come a lot of challenges getting this group to play for each other you know there's a lot of guys coming in that don't know some people and I think that the biggest thing is chemistry and trying to get off to a hot start because our sh our schedule is very tough early yeah. on uh, we have a very difficult schedule out of the gate probably the toughest one I've had since I've got here um, so we're going to need to try to get training camp going uh, evaluate these guys that's what's great Shane about going to Chicago's camp is a lot of these new players that we sign I get a chance to really watch them up there so I can see you know where I want to put them into the lineup to where we get to training camp here I already have a better idea I mean I can see them in games as an opposing coach but seeing them firsthand is a lot yeah. is a lot different I, you know there's rivalries obviously Toledo is our big rival Indianapolis Kalamazoo but is there rivalries among the coaching community you know not necessarily within our division but is there a guy that like, I'd love to beat that guy yeah, I mean, I, I, I would imagine it's us in Toledo, uh, you know, us in Indy. And I think Cincinnati, just because we've seen them a lot in the playoffs, you know, there's definitely, you know, that thing. You know, Cincinnati, um, I had a problem with Cincinnati because my second year here, uh, the coach had just got the assistant job in Grand Rapids. He, he did something that, you know, is against coaching protocol. And I still was upset about that years later. I made a mistake with Nate Condon and spelled his name wrong. He was our first year with Colorado as an affiliation. 
And Simmer taught me this a long time ago is, you know, when that stuff happens, you let the other coach know so he can correct it before the game starts. Well, I had made a, a spelling error, and um, they waited till Conan got on the ice after the first drop. And when he jumped on the ice, he calls the referee over, and he's got the lineup cards. And they kicked Condon out because of my mistake. And I felt awful about it. But that's just something, you know, as a coach, you know, everybody's made it one point. I did it one, uh, one time in Pensacola, but the coach let me know about it so it didn't happen. But, you know, we've had coaches do it countless times, and we'll let them know or just not even bring it up to the referee's attention because you just don't do that stuff. But So I had a thorn in my side for quite some time. <laughs> about that because it just made me look incompetent and, and you know what honestly at that moment I was but I don't want to be t thrown in sure. my face either right uh, so uh, you know I think that 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 rubbed me wrong so being Cincinnati two out of the last three years in the playoffs has been rewarding and uh, talking about you know you're, you you have kids and they play sports yeah uh, you know what are the challenges there as far as coaching your son and dealing with their coaches do they in, are intimidated at all when you walk in, or are you just just hands off? Hands off, yeah. I don't want to be that dad. It's, uh, you know, I'll I'll talk to Connor sometimes, you know, before or after if there's something, um, you know, that I'm noticing, uh, maybe with the the warm up and how they warm up the goalies or something. I might make a suggestion if the coaches ask or something. But you know, he's really lucky. He's got a great coach in town. It's been with the same age group. So, um, and so and Brian Gratz. Now, uh, my buddy that's a goalie that's worked with goalies, his whole coaching career is now moving back into Fort Wayne. So he's gonna get, I'm going to get him some personal you know, one-on-one -on -one lessons with Gratzy, so I'm happy about that. So uh, that's kind of come full, full circle here. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, Connor now is getting at that age now in eighth grade where, you know, it's kind of like time to start. If you want to get serious with it, let's get right. serious with it if that's what you want to do. But, you know, he's – I don't want to force uh, sports on my son. You know, I want him to just want to do it for himself, and then I'll back him and however he wants to do it. But I've seen a lot of kids get burned out because Johnny's dad is wants it more than Johnny does, and that's never good. You, uh, you know, brought up that you know, uh, assistant coaching job in the AHL doesn't, yeah. you know, doesn't interest you. You're you're interested in Fort Wayne, and I think. That's a very interesting situation. Just like with me, I grew up in Fort Wayne. I wanted to sit in Bob Chase's chair one day. Now, go back to Northside High School. You're sitting in your math class. Do you say, I want to coach the Fort Wayne Comets one day? Never. 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 Have never. You know, the, the, the coaching path, that's a good question, was, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to work with professional athletes in the state of all the sports, but I used to, you wouldn't know it looking at me now, but I used to be in really good shape and work out all the time, and I would train a lot of people because uh, I went to college for exercise science and physiology. I, my dream job was to be a strength and conditioning coach for an NHL team or for an NFL team or a college team or something like that and train athletes and get them you know, to their maximum potential and stuff like that. I didn't want to be a personal trainer like doing with bodybuilders. I wanted to work with athletes is what I wanted to do. And so that was you know, kind of where my path was, was taking me. And uh, when I got out of Ball State, um, the, there was a, a coaching job in Housley. They needed a coach, and it was uh, Leah, my, my, my first wife, her, her brother. It was his team. He was 12 years old. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. You know, I, can, you, I started doing the mortgages and doing the mortgage business there, and I had a spare time. So I coached a house league team with my brother-in-law, and it was so much fun. But you know how competitive I am, Shane. So uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it ended up. <laughs> 
<laughs> Basically, I was running this house league team of after about two weeks, like a triple A program. <laughs> so we won the city championship, and uh, I was very serious about it. It caught the attention of Snyder, who uh, needed a head coach the following summer, and I got the Snyder coaching job. And then from there, you know, once I once you get the coaching, by anybody that coaches knows it. Once you really get it, it it's just uh, and for me, my personality is once I jump into something. I don't know how to do anything but full full bore, full steam ahead. So it was buying everything. I mean, I spent so much money on coaching materials. Anything I could find or get my hands on, I was buying and purchasing and studying. And, um, you know, the funny thing is, like, all the, the, the video editing software that we all use in the coast, you know, I was using that back in high school hockey. We're talking 14 14 years ago. You're a bit ahead of your time. Before anybody even knew what you know, yeah. Steve Hockey was. So I was doing it in high school hockey. But uh, it was just, again, I was just kind of a just a nut. I just was uh, – and that's why, you know, it was one summer, and I told you this story. I don't know if the fans know it, but it was Guy Dupuy that made it all happen for me. Guy did my fireworks signs for me. And it was after the first of the three-peats when, when you guys really had an unbelievable team with Al that year. We had a home home record, you know, thing going. Um, after you guys won that summer, I'd ask Guy, I said, Guy, you know, can you get me a sit-down with Al Sims? I said, I'm, you know, this is after now four or five years coach. I said, I, I think I'm starting to really get good at this thing. I want to see where I can go with it. Do you think you could set me up to meet with Al Sims? And he goes, well, yeah, sure. I think he's in town. I can do that. So, you know, my, my whole thing was I was going to go to this lunch with Guy and Al, and I was just going to pick Al's brain, see if I could steal all of his drills and, you know, try to do stuff. Well, after about five minutes, I, it started feeling like a job interview. You know, Al's asking me a lot of really detailed off-the-cuff questions like right away and uh, I wasn't prepared for it but I nailed it and uh, and before you know it he's saying well what would it take for you to be an assistant coach and I just I never forget that feeling when he proposed that we were outside Chipotle over there I'm thinking to myself is this this NHL Did former just coach <laughs> is, is this guy asking me that's been coaching high school hockey to be an assistant coach and you know I'd never I always said this when I talk to kids and stuff is that, you know, I had a good mortgage job at the time, so I was paying the bills with that, and I really didn't need to get paid. I had a flexible schedule, and I thought to myself, you know what, I'm not going to make this. The Fronkies don't know me, but if this guy's willing to take a gamble on me, I just told him right away, I said, how about I just make it easy? I'll do it for free. And he goes, well, I think I can make that happen. I said, let me know. So how could the Fronkies say no to this kid? That's what it was. And I just thought to myself, if I could just get my foot in the door, I could prove to people in the organization that I was a valuable asset, that I could help this team in whatever way possible. And obviously, you know, once I started getting my foot in the door in years two, three, and four, my role grew. And, and the Frankies took note that I was an asset and, and, uh, and I wasn't a volunteer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, and going back to how competitive you are, I'll, let me tell a little story about Gary here. Uh, when we go on these long road trips, you know, we could be gone a week. Uh, you know, we usually roll into town wherever we're going, maybe five, six o'clock. It's, it's dinner time. We all get off the bus and it's usually Gary, myself, Matt Willett, our trainer and Ben Boudreaux, the assistant coach, or if Olivier Legault with us, uh, is with us as well. And we'll say, Hey, let's meet down here at six 30 for dinner. Gary will always say, make it six 15. And we're like, it's because you always have to win. Don't you? <laughs> 
<laughs> that's how competitive this man is. I mean, you, we can't even uh, decide on a dinner time. Gary's got to win. Yeah, that, that's uh, that sounds about right. I think I think um, I think Melissa would agree with that. Yeah, you know what? I, I, ever since high school, you know, I, I've been naturally uh, in, in leadership roles. You know, I told you I was class president. Northside, we had six hundred kids in our class but you know the business business uh, uh deca at Northside, i was president of that and, you know um, you know i was captain of the hockey team and anything i've ever wanted to do and i've, I've said to people I'd, I'd love to run for mayor in fort wayne and i mean that i love politics as you know although we don't always agree um but you know how much <laughs> i love politics and you know one day down the road you know later on in life i would, I would love to get into politics somehow some way and that was something that al and and his wife sue sims that we always would talk about too was you know they they were heavily involved with the GOP here in Fort Wayne and stuff like that. And we would talk about that and how they like to get involved with that stuff. But, you know, it, it's neat when you get a chance to be in these these leadership roles. And, and if you really like what what you do, you have a chance to impact people in different ways. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, that Ben Bujo's got a bright future ahead of him. And, you know, with Legs, Legs is on the same path as me. It's funny watching Legs because here he's, he's volunteered and got in. You know, now he's, you know, with us and now he's kind of a, becoming a, a normal thing in this staff. And it wouldn't surprise me again. It, you know, Legs is a, a really bright upcoming coach as well. So both those guys with the fact that they were former players and now they're getting the resume going in the coast, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if both those guys end up having their own programs one day. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's neat to be uh, the coach of Fort Wayne where, you know, you get so many great people to work with. Now, you've had a lot of players come through here, obviously. Are, is there one player, knowing that you know coaching, but if you see a guy and the way he handles himself in the locker room, how he talks to guys, how he's on the ice, do you say, hey, he would be a great coach? And do you ever, like, bring that up to him? It's like, hey, did you ever think about coaching? Yeah, yeah, there's been definitely some guys, you know, I've, I've talked to over the over the years about that. I won't specify any names, but, yes, every year there's usually one or two guys that – you know, you know, they're starting to maybe question where how many more years are going to play, and if a guy looks like he's got some potential, uh, you do that. I mean, I'm really happy that a lot of my Pensacola guys I worked with that year are now professional coaches. You know, Jeremy Gage has got the assistant job in Pensacola. Steve Bergen, and I won a championship with, is the assistant in South Carolina. Uh, Ryan Salvis uh, runs a tier one junior A team up in um, uh, Moncton. Um, you know, I've, I've had some guys and, and those guys, you know, they call me for drills. They, you know, there's some different stuff like that where we, we communicate. So um, yeah, it's, it's neat when you have guys that you, that you coach, get into coaching and then, you know, they call you and, you know, you will bounce ideas off each other and stuff. So um, I think that's, and that's the way it's, you see it all the time working in the NFL, you know, old coordinators, yeah. you know, everybody, it's, it's a big, it's a big family. I think, you know, sometimes you get along with other guys better than others, but, you know, tomorrow, you know, we, we fly to Philadelphia to meet with all the coaches in the league, Benny and I, we have our uh, coaching seminar thing there for, for a day. And it's neat because that's the only time of the year you get to really, you know, see everybody because all these coaches, you know, <laughs> atmosphere in a friendly atmosphere exactly <laughs> so um, it'll be a good time Philly like with Las Vegas now and your first big road trip as a coach was out to Las Vegas to play the Wranglers and to think about how that market has grown in five years to, to where we were we were out there playing a team in front of oh, a few thousand people and now it's this mega uh, deal out in Vegas did you know just being an outside just a hockey fan do right. you think that would have happened because personally when they named the team the Knights I'm like you know what just name them the Nordiques because they're gonna move to Quebec in five years anyway so but uh, being just a uh, hockey you, fan you know honestly I I I thought that it was a good concept just in terms of the fact that 
with all the businesses in that area and all the comp tickets and everything like that, I, I thought that they would be able to fill the ring pr pretty pretty good just in terms of the way casinos uh, handle things and stuff like that. But I, I would never, I don't think anybody would imagine, you know, what it actually has become. I mean, I was watching their rookie tournament. They were streaming it online over the weekend, Shane. You should see their practice rink. Their practice rink at the end is like a castle. With like flames coming out of it in the practice rink. It is Vegas. In the practice yeah. rink. I mean, it looked like the kid, like the Castle Grayskull I had, the He-Man. Yeah. You know, growing up with He-Man. <laughs> looked like Castle Grayskull <laughs> at the end of the rink. And I'm like, this is a practice rink. They've got like a probably a $200,000 build out of a castle in their practice. I mean, everything that they've done is just so first class. And you know the football team going in has got, they're going to have a hard act to follow. Yeah. That's a hard act to follow. And it's, uh, you know, playing in warmer weather is another thing. I, you play, you coach down in Pensacola, and I've heard players that, you know, I, I, I think Mike Embach told me one time, you know, I couldn't play down here in Florida because it would be too distracting. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, but you get these kids from Ontario, and they're like, I don't want to stay in the cold. I'd like to go in the warm, or is it more of a comfort thing? I, you know, I, I need to be in the cold to get in the hockey mood. Well, you, I'd say I've seen this firsthand a lot, is that, you know, I've lost a lot of recruiting battles to the Florida Everblades over the last four years. Uh, but you know what, though? That was a lot of the advantages that I had when I was in Pensacola was you worked that advantage. You know, when I recruited in Pensacola, uh, guys, you know, I'm selling the beach and I'm selling a great spot and golf year-round. And, you know, the, you, you sell what you have. And I think the biggest thing I sell here is tradition. I, I sell tradition in Fort Wayne. You know, I'm not selling weather. I'm not selling, you know, big city life or something like that. I'm selling tradition. I'm selling great ownership, the same ownership that's on the team for 28 years, I think it is now. Is that number right? But, you know, you just don't have that stuff in the coast like you do in Fort Wayne. Nobody has that. You know, we are hour and 45 minutes from Toledo. We're two hours from Kalamazoo. We're two hours from Indianapolis, three and a half from Cincinnati. Is that also a selling point? It's like, hey, you can come here and be home by midnight on a road game, or you can go somewhere and be on a bus for 20 hours to play one game. Shane, it's huge. Let me tell you, this year I was talking to Tetsy, the coach up in Rapid City. Their closest bus trip is like 9 ten, or 10 hours. 10 hours, yes. I mean, imagine that. Their closest game is going to be 10 hours. You know, Chalker up in Brampton, obviously, you know, he playing in that division he's in, he has a lot of issues with it now having to cross the border. But, you know, playing out in that Worcester and Adirondack and that, a lot of that stuff is six to nine hours. So, you know, we're blessed. Like I said, uh, the Southeast travel is a lot tougher. We have by far the best division in terms of travel, and I think that's important because that extra time means a lot for guys to get a little extra gym time in and get extra rest. Gary, we're going to see each other a lot during the season, as you know. Uh, we sit next to each other on the bus, but thank you for coming in here and uh, doing the, the first episode. Thank you, Shane, and thanks to all the, the Comet fans out there. I'm looking forward to, to working with you guys this year to, to get close and hopefully win that Kelly Cup. All right, thanks, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, did you get through that one? That was fun. Great conversation with Coach Gary Graham. He is a great interviewee. He does ask him one question, and he just goes on. That's why I love talking to that guy as we wish Coach Gary Graham good luck in the upcoming season. It's going to be a new-look Comet team, folks, but it's going to be very exciting as we count down the days to the home opener on October 20th. 
Well, we hope to get one of these up every Tuesday, so keep an eye out on social media, Twitter, and Facebook for who our next guest is going to be. Another special thanks to our sponsor, Combat Ops Arena on Lay Road. It's right down the street from the Coliseum. Take the family over there before a game, play laser tag, throw some axes, get into the Nerf Arena, go to the arcade, have a ball at Combat Ops Arena again on Lay Road. So that'll do it. First episode is in the books. Thanks you so much for listening. I have been your host, Shane Alvarani, and you've been listening to the Comet Podcast.